0: Begin the right the Gemara on the Aftzadik Aleph from the base towards the bottom of the Omad where it says Ahu Gavre about seven, eight lines from the bottom of the Ahmed. The Gemara is bringing different stories when it comes to collecting a loan in different kinds of situations. Rav and Rabbi M'Barkhameh are arguing in all kinds of cases. So now nah, there was a story with the person The Zovnalu He sold the rights of collecting his mother's ksuba, Betoiveh for a very small price because not necessarily Will it ever be his to collect that he's selling this to someone else? It'll only be his if his mother passes away. Well, first, uh, if, the, if the father passes away before the mother, so now his mother has a right to collect the ksobe, then his mother's going to pass away, and now he, as a Yiddish, will be able to collect his mother's ksobe. So that right he sold to someone else. So because it's not something that will necessarily happen, so he sells it for a very small price. Now, he tells the individual that he sold the rights of this ksuba to. If my mother will come and will be she'll challenge the sale. I'm not going to pay you back. I'm not going to reimburse you. What happened? So his mother actually passed away, and she never challenged the sale. Now, he's the one that yashins from his mother this ksuba. Now he himself came. And the Vekomar, he himself, is coming to the buyer and is challenging and saying that this is my Suba. I want to collect the ksubeh for, for the rights of my mother. Just like I told you that if my mother would come and would challenge the sale, that I'm not going to reimburse you. So now I'm coming in the place of my mother and I'm challenging the sale and I want to take it and collect it for myself. Could he do this? So Rabbi B'chomar thought to say, so this son is taking the place of the mother, just like the mother himself, herself. He clearly said that I will not reimburse you if my mother challenges the sale. So now I'm coming in the place of my mother and want to collect silver for myself. So Rebbe says, no, you can't do this. Even if he did not accept upon himself the responsibility if his mother comes and will challenge the sale. But achrayist diday Mule loikibble. But his own if he himself is going to challenge the sale, did he not accept that upon himself? He's the seller. And now he himself is coming to challenge the sale. For that, he will have to reimburse him. So Rashi here explains that the truth is that he could be mevat the whole sale. Because really, this is not something he could sell at all. This is what's called a situation where a person is selling a Dovah shaloi bolo ilam. This is something that he doesn't even have yet to sell. He's saying, in the event that I end up getting this ksuba from my mother, I'm selling that rights to you. He doesn't have that yet. So really it's not a sale that will go through. That's why he could be Mivatal the sale. At the same time, though, the money that person paid for this, he's gonna to have to reimburse because for sure he himself to challenge the sale, if he wants to go back on the sale, he's gonna to have to reimburse. He only said that if my mother is gonna come and challenge, then I don't have to reimburse. But if he himself is going back on the sale, that he does have to reimburse. Another case, Omar Rami Bachoma. Rami Bachoma said, Ruben sells a property to Shimon. Sholei Bachrayis, and it makes it clear that he's not taking any responsibility to what happens. If any of the Baal of Ruben will come and want to confiscate from this property to get paid their loan, I'm not taking any responsibility to reimburse you. Now, i to Shimon. Shimon that bought his property Went um and he sells it back to the seller, he sells it back to Ruven. And here he sells it back, Rayes. He did take responsibility that whatever, whoever will come, if a Balchayv will come to collect from it, he will reimburse Ruven. What happened? Vasa Balchayv de Ruven, now Ruven's Balchayv, the original sellers, Balchayv came, the Qatariv of and he came and went to, to grab away the field for, for his Chayv uh, that was owed by Reuven to him. So now the point of here is Reuven said to Shimon, I will not reimburse you. Shimon said to Reuben, I will reimburse you. And now the field's being taken away from Reuven. So seemingly Shimon should reimburse Reuven for this. And Reuven does not have to reimburse Shimon for anything because he's clearly said, I'm not gonna reimburse you. He didn't take responsibility. So therefore, Rami Bachama says, Dinuhu, the halacha is the Azul Shimon, Umachile. Shimon has to go and he has to reimburse Reuven for this Balchayv, even though it's Reuven's own Balchayv. But nevertheless, it doesn't matter. When Reuven sold it to Shimon, he did not take responsibility. When Shimon sold it to Reuven, he did take responsibility. So he's going to have to reimburse Reuven for this Balchayv that's taking away the property now from Reuven. Oh, Rav, so Rav, again, argues with Rami and Rav says, Yes, it's true that Shimon took responsibility when he sold the property to Ruven. But what did he take responsibility for? If there's any other outside Baal that will now come to collect from this property, let's say if Shimon had another Baal that he owed money to that's not going to come to this property to collect from it, for that he took responsibility. But Achray is the Nafshei, mi lay, But did Shimon accept responsibility for Reuven's own issues, for the fact that Reuven himself owes money to his balchay, and therefore it's being confiscated from Reuven now? That Shimon did not take responsibility for. So therefore, he will not have to reimburse him, even though he took responsibility. However, the Gemara says, even though rabbi here says Shimon will not have to reimburse him, but if the case will be slightly different, then he will, and that is in the case of Beruvin Shiyodash Sod Yakiv, If this field that Reuven sold to Shimon, the same like the story before, as the Gemara will spell out the story again, but with this one detail here that Reuven inherited this field from his father Yaakov. And then Umahril Shimon Shalay like the story was before, he sold it to Shimon, not taking any responsibility. And then Shimon sells it back to Ruven, taking responsibility for what will happen. And now the also de Lemine. The someone that Yaakov, the father of Reuven, the original owner of this property, came to collect a loan that he was owed by Yaakov. So over here, Rava will agree that Dinohu the Shimon of Over here, Shimon will have to reimburse Reuven for this balchayv that's taking away the property from Reuven. My timer. What's the reason? Balchayv the yakev, Balchaiv the Almadami. So true. Rava Taker says that Shimon only takes responsibility for an outside balchayv, not Reuven's own balchayv that's now confiscating this property. But over here, the father of Reuven, who Reuven inherited this field from, is considered to be an outside Balchayv. The fact that it's Yaakov, the father's Balchayv, that's coming to take away the property from Reuven, that's an outside Balchayv that Shimon does have to take responsibility for this. So Rashi explains, the Kiddush of here is that we do not look at Reuven as sort of a continuation of the father, He Yashin from the father, Rashi brings the expression of bro that I could say that the son is just like a limb of the father. And therefore, if it's Yaakov's Balchayiv, that's equivalent, it's the same like Reuben's own Balchayiv, which Shimon did not take responsibility. So we don't say that Yaakov is Yaakov, Reuben is Reuben. So if Yaakov's Balchayiv is now confiscating the property of Reuben, this is something that Shimon will have to take responsibility for, even according to Rova. Omer um, Rami another halacha Rami Bachome said, Reuven bach sold a property to Shimon and he took responsibility for what will happen here. Now, the zakav of Allah of the Milveh, Shimon didn't have money to pay for the property yet, but he bought it and the sale went through, it's fully in effect, he made a kinyan, and the money that he owes for this property, so they established that as a separate loan. They wrote down a star separately that now Shimon owes money, he's a Bahai, he owes money to Reuven. Umais Reuven, now Reuven passes away, and then what happened is, Ba'asa Balchayv de Reuven, now there was somebody that Reuven owed money to, and that Balchayv came, the lay me and he wanted to confiscate the property from Shimon that he bought from Reuven. This is a property that is a lien on this property to him, this is a Balchayv. So what happened, what did this buyer do, what did Shimon do? Upayseh bezuzi. He went and he paid this Baal They wanted to confiscate this property. He went and paid him cash. He wanted to be able to keep the property for himself. So now, what, why is he doing this? So Rashi explains the reason why he's doing this is he's thinking to himself, what's going to happen over here? Really, again, the Reuven, we're talking, uh, sorry, not Reuven, we're talking here about the buyer, Shimon. Shimon is thinking to himself, I owe money to the seller, to Reuven, or now it's Reuven's children that I owe money to because I never, we, we made a, a loan. We established a loan cause when, when I did not pay for the property. So I really owe them money. Here at the same time, they owe money to this Balchoyv that's not coming to confiscate the property. So why should I go and pay them the loan that I owe for this property that I never paid? And then this Balchoyv is gonna confiscate this property and they're gonna have to right away reimburse me. Give me back the money because the property was confiscated from me. So instead of going around like that, let me just take the money that I owe to the seller or now to the seller's children and give it directly to their balchayv, to the ones that they owe the money to. And that's it. Everything is done. That's what he did. That was his cheshman. That's how Rashi explains this. But he made a mistake. And the reason is because dinu Hu, the halacha here is, the omrile Ben Ruvin, the children of Ruven can say now to the buyer, to Shimin, Anan metatli Shovak Avunga Bokh. We, when, when the father passed away, we had no karkois. We had no properties anymore available for any b'chayiv to collect. And the by Yusayimim is, when someone comes to collect from Yusayimim, if there's no karka, they can't collect anything. So the only thing that they did have here, here is, is you, Shimon. You, Shimon, owed us money, money, cash. So therefore, that's mataltalin That's the only thing that we had available from the father for this b'chayiv to collect. And if it's metaltolin, you don't collect metaltalin from Yislamim. That's the rule. So, again, in the words of the Gemara, so the B'nai Ruven say to the buyer, Shimon, Anan metaltoli shavakavun gabach. The only thing that we had now available for our balchayv to collect is the metaltolin, the money that our father, father left us by you because you owed our father the money. And the rule is the yasmi loy mishtabdi And the metaltalin of Yusaymim are not m'shubid to be paid up for a baralchoyev You don't collect metaltalin from Yusaymim, only carcass So therefore, why did you pay for us? Why are you doing us a favor and paying for us the loan for this, uh, this baralchoyev? Don't pay him! They, The baralchoyev doesn't have any right to collect this at all You're not doing us any favor by paying this you're not, we're not getting anything because anyways you wouldn't be obligated to pay this. So therefore we're not going to pay you back for this, that you paid him this cash, which he shouldn't have. And also at the same time, if he's going to come now to the Bnei Ruven, to the, the children of the seller and say reimburse me for the loss that I had here with this property that I had to pay you up, you are They're going to say to him, how? How should we pay you back? We have no properties you want to demand money of us, you can only demand money from Yusayimim from Karka. We don't have any Karka. So therefore you can't collect anything from us either now, if you want to be reimbursed for this that you paid. So for two reasons, there's no way that Shimon, the buyer, will be able to get reimbursed over here. Again, number one, there's no reason for you to have paid this loan in the first place. And number two, if you want to come to us and collect to be reimbursed for your loss, we have no Karka in our possession to pay you. Yesem only pay from Karkoi. so we have none. So therefore he loses out. But and this Rav said If he, if the other one, if in other words if the buyer Shimon is smart, so then he could do something to get reimbursed. What is that? Magbi aro. So he owes. Their money right he never again going back to the beginning of the story he never paid for the field that he bought and therefore it was established as a loan and now even after Reuben passes away he has to pay up this loan so how is he going to pay up this loan so he should he should pay it up with a piece of carca not with cash he should take a piece of karka that he owns and pay up with karka. And then, And that very piece of karka that he's going to pay up to the assignment, so now the Usayimim have karka available in their possession, and now he could turn back to them and say, reimburse me, pay me back for the loss that I had with, with, with this property that I bought, that I had to pay up to balchayver. So now he could demand to be reimbursed from karka. The only reason why he couldn't be reimbursed from the assignment because the assignment could say we have no karka in our possession. But now he just gave them karka. He just paid them karka. Now they do have karka. So now you can demand that karka back to be reimbursed for his loss. Now you may ask a simple question, but they only got that karka today, and he he's asking to be reimbursed from from before. From the fact that he paid the, the, their chay from before, the fact that he's giving them karka now, isn't that too late? How could he uh, ask to be reimbursed from this karka that they just received now? So the Gemara says, yes, he can. Kirav Nachman, as Rav Nachman said. Rav Nachman says, in the name of Rav Baravua, Yisayimim Shagavu that when the father passed away, there was no karka in their possession. But then later they did collect karka because someone owed their father money. So now bal if they owe someone else money, that bal could now come chayiv a guy man. He can take this karka that they just received now and collect from here. So here we see what Rav Nachman is saying is, although when the father passed away, there was no karka in their possession. So anybody that they owed money or their father owed money will not be able to collect from them. Because again, the rule is you don't collect from Yusayimim if it's metaltolin. But if later the Yusayimim receive karka from somebody as a payment, now that balchayv they owe money to could come and take from this karka, even though they just got it now. What's us talk the Hezba for this. So the in Psachim speaks about this. One of the explanations for this is, that when they collect their loan, what he's collecting is not only considered to be his today, but it's really reveals that retroactively, that Karka, there was always a lean on it, and therefore it was always his. So it comes out that really the karka that they get now is as if the father had that karka and as if when he died there was that karka in their possession and therefore the bar that wants to collect from them will be able to collect from this karka. So if you hear as well, this buyer, Shimon, if he's smart, he gives them the karka and then he says, oh, you have karka and really this karka was always yours. So now I could collect from this karka to be reimbursed from you. Omar um, Rabbe, said another halacha. Reuven sells all of his properties to Shimon. And the Shimon no Levi. And Shimon went and sold one of those properties to Levi. Now de Ruven and the of Ruven. Reuven owed somebody money. And the of Reuven comes and he wants to collect from any of these properties that he has a lien on them. So obviously he's not going to Reuven. Reuven sold everything to Shimon. But Shimon sold one property of those properties. That there was a lien on to Levi. So the halacha here is, Rotsamisegoeve, Rotsamisegoeve. Pachoeva of Ruvin could collect either from Shimon, from the properties that are by Shimon, that there's a lien on them, or you can even go to Levi, to the second buyer, to collect from there for the lien that he has for his loan. Now, the Gemara explains when that is true. Usually, the rule should be that you go to the first buyer, not that why should you go to the second buyer. But over here, there's a specific case, as the Gemara will explain, why the Baal could go either to Shimon or to Levi, the first or the second buyer. So this halacha here that he can go to either one was only said Eluduzovna Beyninis. If the second buyer, Levi, bought Beyninis. Now the halacha regarding a Baal is he has the right to collect specifically from Beyninis. Not Idis. Idis is for a Nizik, and not ziburis, but Beyninis. An a intermediate, a, a average level of the value of a field, of a, of a quality field that is. So Beyninis is really his right to collect. So if he sold baininis to Levi. That again, the second buyer, Shimon, sold baininis to Levi. So now Levi has baininis. The, fir- the first buyer has Idis zibures, and Levi has the baininis. So then we say that the Bahayev, if he wants, he can go to the first buyer and say, Listen, you're the first buyer, and therefore, as long as there's still properties left by you, even though there's the by the second buyer, but he's only the second buyer. So therefore, the second buyer could say, I left all the properties available for you to collect by the first buyer. So go to him. True, that's why he has an option to go to the first buyer, but at the same time, the balcaiev could go dafka to levi to the second buyer because. He has the baininess. The baininess is the main shibu that a Balkoiv has the right to collect from. This is the case where Rabbi said Rotzumizego and Rot's-a-miz-a-go-e-ve. Abel, however, if the Levi, the third buyer, second buyer rather, said, and uh, not said, he only bought Idis and Zibudis and he left the Bainanis, which is the main Shibud of the Balkhoiv by Shimon, the first buyer, you could tell this is why I was very specific in buying Idis and Zibudis again. This is the Buddhist and not the Bainanist. I left the Bainanist for you by the first buyer so you can go and collect from there. Furthermore, the Gemara says, Even also when we say that the second buyer, Levi, bought Beninus, and well, therefore the Bachay of Reuven has the right to go even to Levi, because that's, he has the Beninus. That's the main thing that a Bachay collects from. But nevertheless, this is only Elad, if he bought all the Beninus. He didn't leave any other Beninus available in the possession of the first buyer. If he bought baininis, but he also left similarly baininis in the hands of the first buyer in Shimon's hands. So Levi could say to the balechay, "I left you space to be to collect from the baininis that's in the hands of Shimon. So therefore, why are you coming to me, the second buyer? Because I have baininis. He also has bainanis. So I'm not any better than him. You should go. You should go to him. That's uh, the kavanah of what the Gemara is saying here, as Taisus explains." Okay, so that's uh, the halacha regarding two buyers when a Bachhoiv comes to collect. Um, Amar Abaye, Abaye says, Reuven sells a field to Shimon, and he took responsibility for what will happen to this field. He'll reimburse him. Now the of Reuven comes, and he wants to confiscate the field from Shimon, from the buyer. Do you who the Allah is, the also Reuven and um, Maftzilei, Reuven can come to the Bezdin and he could uh, argue in Bezdin and Taina against the, the, this Baal that wants to collect this money. He's part of the Din Taira. <laughs> the Baal cannot turn around to Ruven and say, the <laughs> Diyat. Uh, you're, not, you're not here, a party in this Din t'ayda. Why are you coming to Taina against me? You don't have the right to mix into a Din t'ayda. Even if you have the best kindness in the world, but if you're not a Baal Din in the Din you have no right to speak. I'm now collecting the property from the buyer, Shimon. So Reuven, you, not, I'm not taking anything from you. So therefore, why are you speaking up? So you can't say that because Reuven will say, of course I'm a party in this tentative. As soon as you take this property away from Shimon, what happens? Shimon will come straight back to me because I, just, I took responsibility to reimburse him. So I'm a party in this tentative. say, another version there is, Even if Reuven did not take any responsibility to reimburse Shimon, nevertheless he still can go and argue and he's a party in this entire because he could say to the Baal even though when you take away any property from Shimon, I have no loss in this. I will not have to reimburse him. But nevertheless, it's still not comfortable for me that Shimon should have complaints against me. Look, you sold me a property and I thought it's free and clear. And here you have a, a creditor that's coming to collect this property from me. So I don't want him to have any complaints against me. That is enough of a reason that you should become a Baal Din in the Dintayda and you're allowed to speak up at the Dintayda. Um, Allah saidvenRuven sold a property to Shimon. so according to this version, he sold it without taking responsibility for Shimon. Now Yatsu Allahlaf askin. And now it turns out that there are people that are coming and are challenging this ownership of the property, and they claim that this Reuven that sold this property doesn't belong to him, it really belongs to us. So what happens here with Shimon? Shimon fell into a, a very bad situation. He bought a property that turns out to be not his. Could he retract from this sale? So now, actually, before he made a kenyan of Chazakeh so he's acquired that it's his. So he can retract from the sale. Once he made a kinyan of chazake, so it's too late. He can't retract from the sale. He already made a chazaki. It was kinyan. Of. Now the seller is going to tell him. It's an expression. You took a sack. A small sack full of nuts meaning there's really nothing inside of it and you accepted it this is the property you investigated whether it's a good property to buy or not and you went and bought it and therefore you made a Kenyan too late and he took no the seller took no responsibility so he doesn't have to even reimburse and reimburse him now, from what point is it considered to be a chazaka? says, the Gemara, when he walks at, on the borders, when they would set up the borders and they would, it exactly where, where the borders of the field is, and he goes and he walks over there on the borders to set up the borders of the field, that's considered to be the chazaka in the field. There's another version to this halacha of what Abayi said here. Even if Abayah sells it to this person, and he takes responsibility, we still are going to say that the buyer cannot retract the sale once he made a Kenyan. You could only retract it before the sale, even though the seller took responsibility. So the buyer could turn to the, around to the seller and say, even though I made a Kenyan already, but so, so what? We see that this property doesn't even belong to you. So there I'm retracting the whole sale and reimburse me right away. But, nevertheless, the Amaleh, the seller, Reuven, can say to him, Ach tirfoch, loch. Let's see what happens. Let's let this play out. If this person that's coming to co- confiscate your property or is claiming that it didn't belong to me, someone's challenging the sale, if they're going to be successful and they're going to actually confiscate the property from you, and you're going to get a star tirfe, which is that star that we give to a buyer to not come back to the seller and say, Here, reimburse me. If this all actually happens, I'll reimburse you then. That was my responsibility I took. But in advance for me to reimburse you and for you to retract this sale, that you can't do. As Rashi says, many times you have these people that challenge a sale, challenge ownership of a property. And it turns out that the words that they say is not even true. So therefore, let, let us play out. And only after the fact, if it's it, 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 taken away from you, then I'll reimburse you. Person is married to three wives. Omeis, and he passed away. So now he owes ksuba to three of these wives. Now their ksuba was not all the same amount. The first wife, her ksuba is one mana, the the ksuba of the second wife is two mana, the shazu two hundred mana that is, and the ksubah of the third wife is three hundred zuh. Now but this person only left a property in the value of one mana. So the halach is all of these wives will divide this one mana equally. Even though the amount of the k'suba that's owed is not equal for all of them, but nevertheless, as far as this amount of the mana is concerned, even the one that is owed the smallest k'suba, it's also a mana. So the shibud of the mana is equal by all of them. All of them are at least owed that mana. So therefore, for that mana, all of them can collect equally from this mana. So each one will get a third from this mana. 33,33.3 uh, zoz will go to each one of these wives. Ha oh, shall Masayim, if the father, the husband, left 200 zoz, so shall money, the one that he owes, one money, so she only could collect from one money. That's what her shibud is on. So neteles chamishim, so from that she will get half. She will get 50 from that and divide it with the others and she'll get 50. Now, the truth is when it comes to dividing the first money it's not clear why the Mishnah says that she'll get 50. You have to divide it between three, like we just said in the previous case. When it comes to the first mana, all three of them have a shibud in the first mana, so you should divide it a third for each. Why does the Mishnah say that for the first mana get, uh, uh, he gets the 50, the first one that is, the first wife gets 50? That's gonna be the discussion of the Gemara. Now, Shalmasayim, the one that's owed the ksuba of 200, and the Shal is, and the one that's owed the Ksubah of 300. So the second mana is, is not mishubah to the one that has the Ksubah only of one mana. So the second mana could be divided only amongst them. So therefore it's going to come out that each one gets Shloisha, Shloisha, Shalzohab. Each one gets three golden dinarim, which means each dinner is uh, 25 Zuz. So each one is going to get 75 Zuz. Because you take the other fifty of the first mana and you divide it between the other two. So each one gets twenty-five. And then you take the other mana, which is only Meshubit, to these two, the first one it's not Meshubit to, and each one gets fifty. So it comes out that they two will get seventy-five and seventy-five, and the first one that Herksubbah was only a mana will get only fifty. If the case is that you have that he left over in the Yerusha, a, properties that are on the value of 300 Zuz. So how, what do you do now? So again, the point of here is the first wife that's only owed one money, she could only collect from one money out of those 300 Zuz. So Shalmone, the one that has one money, Neteles, So she gets from the first money, we divide it into 50. And again, the gemara will explain why 50 and not a third. So that's divided into 50. So what, so what do we have left over here? So we still have 250 left. Bishal Masayim, the one that's collecting 200, money, she, he, uh, she will get a money. We're going to take 50 from the first Zuz and divide it, and she'll get 25 from there. And then from the other money, she'll get, uh, from, from the other leftovers, she'll get another 75, which ends up being a money. And the shalshavish and the one that is owed uh, three hundred zuz will get six golden dinarim, which is a hundred and fifty zuz. The Gemara will explain this hadam as well. The chei now the Mishnah concludes. This is the halacha here regarding the ksubis that are owed to three wives, the different amounts of one zuz. Uh, again, uh, one mana, which is a hundred zuz or two hundred zuz three hundred zuz. So, the similar will be the Alacha Gimel Shehitilu If you have three individuals that invested money, they put money into, into, into a, into a uh, wallet, into an investment and each one gave a different amount of money for this investment. Pichasu So, if the money depreciated or the money went up in value so kachen chalkin, so too similar to what we said before regarding the notion that each one is going to get accordingly in their amount So to over here the loss or the or the gain will be according to the amount that they invested so actually in this case Kachin chalkin is not exactly the same like it is in the case of the Noshim because when it comes to the Noshim, so when it comes at least to the first money where everybody has a Shiba in that first money, the Mishnah says we divide it equally. Only after that in the additional amounts, more than the money which the first one does not have a Shiba on, so she can't collect from there. But over here when the Mishnah says Kachin chalkin, it actually means that we're going to give the percent of the profit according to the amount that you invested. Regardless of what happens over here, the point is that everyone gets the percent of their money that they invested, that's the profit that they get. So what did it say in the Mishnah? When it comes to them collecting from one money, so from the first money, the one that's owed a money, from the from the first money, the one that's owed a money will get 50 Zuz. The question is, why 50? She should only be getting... Three, 33 and a third, like it said in the very first case of the Mishnah, that you do, if there's only one mana, so you divide that first mana into a third for each one of them. So over here, when there's two mana, and the first one, the first mana has to be split between all three wives, so over here, each one should also get a third. Why does it say in the Mishnah that the first one gets 50? So therefore Shmuel says we must say what this is speaking about is because Balas Masayim la balas mana that the middle wife that's owed 200 zoos, she writes to the balas mana, to the first one, which is owed one mana, din udvarim ain't. I have no involvement, I'm not gonna argue with you regarding collecting from this mana. So then with the first mana, the wife that's owed one mana, the first wife, and the last wife that's owed 300 zoos, three mana it's only being divided between them two. So it doesn't have to be divided into thirds. And that's why it says that the Baal mona, the Baalas mona gets 50. If that's the case over here, what does it say in the next case of the, Mish- in the Mishnah? That one that has, uh, afterwards the Mishnah says, that the one that was owed 200 and the one that's owed 300, each one of them is going to get three golden dinarim which means each one is going to get 75. Right? So the first one gets 50. So this is again 50 out of 200 so you still have 150 left so from that 150 we divide equally that both the Baal the Baal Masai, Baalas Mosayim and the Baalas Sholeshmes get from that 150 they split it they split it equally and each one gets 75. But the question is, why do they split the remainder equally between them? The last wife, that's owed, that's owed, that is, 300 zuz should say to the middle wife, that's owed, 200 zods Ha salkis navshach mina. Didn't you remove yourself? Didn't you write clearly that regarding any amount from the first mona, I'm not gonna collect anything. I'm out of the picture from the first mona. So why are we looking at the remainder of 150 and dividing it equally between these two, we should say that that leftover 50 that's there from the first mana, the middle wife that's owed 200 is not involved. She said, I'm I have not, not going to collect from here. So therefore she only has a right to split with the last wife that's owed 300 from the last mana. One mana should be split. So the middle wife should really only be getting 50, splitting the last mana. And, but the 50 from the first mana, she clearly said, I have nothing to do with this. I'm not going to get anything from here. So why are we splitting the remainder of 150? Equally between the last two that each one gets 75 the Gemara the because what the Balas Masayim says back to the Balas Shalish is as follows I didn't really say that I'm going to have zero rights to collect from the first mana. What I was saying this is, I was saying it to the first wife that wants to collect her ksobe, her mana from the first mana. So I said to her, I'm not going to argue with you. I'm going to allow you to collect your part from the first mana as if I'm not here. And therefore, you're going to split it just with the last wife that's owed 300 and keep me out of the picture so you'll be able to get 50. But she only said this for the benefit of the first wife to be able to get her full 50. But when it comes to splitting afterwards between me and you, the the Balas Masayim now has to split it with the Shalish Shalashmayis. Yes, I do want to get my amount even from the first money as well and therefore we have to look at the total sum after the first one took 50 now what's left over from the 200 you still have 175 and therefore for, uh, again sorry you still have 150 that is and from that 150 we're gonna split it equally between us and I'm gonna get 75 and you're gonna get 75 that's the pshat in the Mishnah what did it say what did it say afterwards in the Mishnah? so the Mishnah continues and says if there was 300 Zuz available for the three women to collect the ksobe, So the one that was owed one mana for a takes Chamishim, the one that's owed Masayim takes a mana, and the one that's owed Shodeshmeis gets Shisha sholzov, which means 150 Zuz. the Gemare, Masayim Mishnah says the one that has a of Masayim gets one mana. Why? Shiva Vechamishim who She should only be getting 75. Based on what Shmuel said before, that she told the Balas Mane that you can take 50 from the first Mane, and I'm not going to take my part in the first Mane when you collect. If so, it comes out that there's really only 150 for the Balas Messiah to take half of. And the the Cheshman is very simple from the first Mane, so the first one takes her 50. So now, when she comes to divide with the third wife, which is the, with the Balas Sholish Meis, it's her, it's the Balas Masayim, and the Balas Shole Meis that have to now divide the remainder. So, what's here in the remainder? There's 250 really in total. But, when we, we have to really exclude the last hundred, because the last hundred is out of her range. That's the third hundred, which is above what she's owed Bechlal for her Ksobe, which is only 200. So the last hundred, that's going to go to the Balas Shole Meis. So therefore, what do we have to divide? Only 150. 50 from the first mana and the second hundred. So out of the hundred and fifty, the balas mosayim is dividing with the Balas Shalashmayas 75 for each. So she should only be getting 75. Why is she getting a hundred? And for the Gemara, Sashmool so explains, because in this part of the Mishnah, in the last case of the Mishnah, what it's speaking about is Bhikkhaes Balas Shalashmeas, Libalas Mosayim. The one that's supposed to get 300, so she writes to the Balas Messiah and to the Balas that I'm not going to take my portion in the, in the first time you're going to divide the first Mana. That's what we're speaking about. So over here, the Cheshbon comes out that the Balas Messiah will get a Mana. As Rashi over here makes the Cheshbon that the Balas Messiah, not like the Reish of the Mishnah, and the Reish of the Mishnah, it's the middle woman, the Balas Messiah, she wrote that I'm allowing the Balas mana to take her apart and I'm not gonna mix in with her. But over here the case is that the Balas Shalishmais wrote this, that she's not mixing in in the splitting of the first mana. So therefore what comes out is the first mana that they all have to divide equally because it's all it's in the range of all of their shibbut for the Ksubit. So that mana that's divided equally, so it's only divided between the Balas mana and the Balas Masayim Because the Balas meis said, Keep me out of this. So each one of them gets fifty. And then when it comes to the second mana, so who divides over here? The Balas Masayim and the Balas meis divide this as well. And each one of them is gonna get fifty. So therefore it comes out that the balas HaMasayim is now ending up with a hundred. And then the last mana, the third mana, which is out of the range of the balas HaMasayim, she doesn't have a shibud that far because it's 300 and her ksobe is only 200. So there the third mana goes completely to the balas Shalishmes That's how she ends up with 150. That's the cheshman according to Shmuel. Now the Gemara brings another way how to learn the Mishnah. Both of these cases of the Mishnah where the Gemara had the problem, why is it? That the Balas mana is getting fifty from the first mana that's being divided. So the Gemara brings another pshat in both of these cases of the Mishnah. So Rabbi is so said in the name of Ravina as follows: The reisha of the Mishnah, not really all the way to the very first case of the Mishnah, but it's really the second case of the Mishnah, where it talks about a case where the father left two hundred zuz. And, so the, the, he explains, it's talking about the state Tfisois. What state Tfisois means is that the inheritance that's available for them to collect for the Ksobe, it came in two different times. First, there was only a certain amount available, and then afterwards there was another amount available. So therefore it was being divided for the money of the Ksobe in two separate times. And the Gemara is going to make the Cheshman in a second. And safer the same thing also with the safer, which is the last case of the Mishnah, when in total the Mishnah said there were 300 zos available to collect for, both of the, for all the ksubis. So it also came in two times. Bishteit, Fisais, there was first certain amount of money or properties that were available. And then afterwards more became available. And as the Gemara will make the Cheshmin, it will explain why the, the first one is getting a mana, and it will explain all the details of how we divide the money the way the Mishnah said it's being divided. So the Gemara explains what happened over here in the So there were two times when they're coming to collect, when each one is coming to grab and take their exober. So first the naflo shivin v'chamisha b'chatzimne. In the beginning there were seventy-five zoos that's available to be collected for the exober at one time. So what happens now after seventy-five zoos available to be collected? So they divide it between the three wives. They all have a shibud in that amount of seventy-five. So each one gets twenty-five. That's how it was divided in the beginning. And then, umeyo ve'eserim ve'chamisho b'chad Zimna. And then there's another 125 that became available. And so that's what the Mishnah said. The Mishnah said that the total that was available is 200. So first it was 75 and that was divided 25 for each. And now another 125. So what are you doing? There's another 125. How are you going to divide this? So for the first one, the Balas Mona, she already got 25. Her shibut for her at this point is only 75. That's all she's still owed. So out of this 125, <coughs> sorry, out of this 125 that became available now, you take 75 from that and you again divide it equally between everybody. So everybody gets another 25. So now what are we, where are we holding? Everybody has 50. And then there's still another 50 available at the end. And that 50 that's available at the end is divided not with the first one, the first one already got from her share that she was owed now the last 50 that's available out of this 125 is divided between the Balas Messiah and the Balas Sholeshmeis and therefore both of them are ending up getting 75 it's exactly what the Mishnah said that in the case when there's 200 and now we explain 200 means in two times first 75 and then 125 that the first one is ending up with 50 and the balas Musayim and the Ba'alas Sholeshmeyes are ending up with each 75. Now the very last case of the mishnah, is bishteit Fisais. Also, the money became available to collect for the Ksubeh in two different time periods. So first, like we said before, the Noflu, Shivim, Vachamisha, bachat Zimna. There were 75 Zuz that was, made, it was available for them to collect at once. So what happens? So do, that 75 zo's is divided equally between all of them. So each one has now 25. And then, And there's another 125 that becomes available at once. Uh, not 100, sorry. 225 that becomes available at once. So what happens now? What do you do with this 225? So first of all, 75 of this 225 has to be divided equally between all three of them because including the first one, the Balasmana, which already collected 25 what's the remainder of her shibud of the Ksobe? 75. So from 75 of this 225 that has to be divided equally between all of them and therefore all of them are getting another 25 from that. So that's why it says in our Mishnah that the first one ends up with 50 and now she's done. But now let's look at the Balas Musayim. When this two hundred and twenty-five became available, how much was the Shibud that the middle one, the Balas Musayim, had out of this two hundred and twenty-five? She was not able to collect from all of the 225, it's out of her range because she's only owed at this point 175. Her original Ksuba that she was owed was 200. She already collected 25 from the first time when the money became available, so now her shibat is only 175, so therefore, in this 175 so 75 as i said we already split between all three of them and each one got 25 including the Balas Masaiin which also got 25 and therefore the Balas Masaiin already has 50 but now there's still another 100 that could be split between the Balas Masaiin and the Balas Shalishmayes and therefore the Balas Masaiin will get an additional 50 and therefore the Mishnah says that the Balas Masaiin gets a total of 100 and the Balas Shalishmayes gets the other 50 Plus the last 50, after we split this 175, there's still another 50 left over because the total sum that was available at the last time here is 225. So then the Balas Shalishmez gets 50 that she split with the Balas Musayim and another 50 in the end, which she doesn't split with anybody because that was out of the range of the Balas Musayim. So it comes out exactly the Cheshbin that the Mishnah said that the Balas Mone gets first 25 from the first time the money became available. Then another 25, when the money became available the second time. The Balas Masayim ends up getting 100, 25 from the first time, and then 75 from the second time. And then the Balas Shalashmayes ends up getting 150, because the last 50 is out of anybody else's range, so therefore she gets an additional 50 at the end, and therefore she's left with 150. That's the way the Mishnah works both in the, the, the second uh, two cases of here in the Mishnah, the second and the third case that is of the Mishnah, that the Cheshmeh makes sense if first 75 was made available and then the remainder was made available. Zagte so, Gemara, now regarding Bechlal, everything it says here in the Mishnah, the way this should be divided proportionally according to what each one has to collect there. So Tanya in Abraise we learned, or there's another version here that takes out this Tanya, Zu Mishnah's What it said here in the Mishnah is the Mishnah's opinion, which is according to Rabnosen. But Rabbi, oh, Rabbi said, Ein I disagree with the opinion of Rabnosen, Be'elu, in all these cases. All of the wives that were owed money for the Ksobe are going to collect equally. We're not going to say that the Balas mana only has a Shibud on one mana, so she could only divide from the first mana. Then second, the third money that's available is out of her range and she can't collect from that. The masayim could only take from two money, but the third money, which is out of her range, she can't collect from that. Rabbi doesn't hold to this. Rabbi says, even though Taki it's true that the Balas mana has a smaller Shibud than the Balas mesayim and the Balas Shalashme's, but nevertheless the halacha by ksubah is that the shibud on the properties of the Baal goes on everything, on all of his properties. Even if your actual ksubah, the amount is only a mana, but the Shibud is on everything. And therefore the balas mana is able to collect from all of the monies that are now available, not only from one mana, but from two mana, from three mana and therefore we have to split it equally between all of them that each one should be able to get from all of the karkois equally. We're not going to say that there's different ranges that everybody has a shibut of Derek Sobe. As Rashi explains, this is different than what when it, when it says in the end of the Mishnah when it comes to people that are investing money together. And here the Mishnah says that whatever profit or loss there is in the investment it will be proportional to what amount of money you put into the investment. Because over there, each one is putting in a certain amount of money into the investment. So it makes sense that each one should get proportionate. But over here, none of these women are actually investing money. So it doesn't make sense necessarily that it should be proportionate. Rather, it's a shibud that they're owed from the husband for their ksubah. So therefore Debbie says that shibud is really equal in all of the karkais, even if the number of the ksuba is smaller. But the shibud goes on all of the karkois. And therefore, even the balasmana could collect more, even that, so to speak out of her range, even from more than a mana of the properties she can collect for her ksuba.